Welcome back, folks, to Bits on Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a sad boy and a gutted man, Dan Masters, who my good friend, another sad boy, and a man who's not happy, we're not happy, no one in this country is happy, football is stupid, we'll have you human, we'll hide him. Uh, very good, very good feeling. I'm excited to make my UFC debut in a couple of weeks after beating the shit out of people at Wembley on the Wembley concourse. That was pretty fun. You might have seen me. Bald head, pair of glasses, um, yeah, my, my multicoloured flannel shirt, getting some good reps in, uh, you know, beating defensive, defenceless uh, Italian fans who are on the floor. That's uh, yeah, a good way to spend a weekend, you know? It is true. And the interesting thing, well, quickly, because there's so much fucking stuff to talk about, just quickly, I believe that you could have shown those pictures pre-game and post-game of the England fans, and you couldn't have told if we'd won or lost, because that's just what England fans do. Are you... You could have said to an English person who had no knowledge of the game, did we win the final or did we lose the final? And you would have got 50-50. Yeah, we probably won. Or the people would say, yeah, maybe we lost. Because that's just what we seem to do for some reason. Yeah, it was it was chaos. Like You look at the state of like Leicester Square and that before the game started. and Dude, it's shambolic. <laughs> it's, 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 fa- it's fucking disgraceful. It's fucking disgraceful. And so, something that I'd sort of overlooked in like yeah you can't see the wood for the trees kind of thing like i've forgotten that this is basically the first massive event that we've hosted that england have hosted on a on a global stage since the pandemic and since lockdowns and stuff yeah, yeah so the first time that we're we're showing off you know this is what happens when you get your you know world-class global event bring it to london yeah this is this is this is how we behaved we've been caged animals for for 18 months and now we want to get out and smash up a Weatherspoons and, and beat up foreigners and racially abuse our own players who we boo for taking the knee and who we, yeah, just have no respect for in in and out of the media, on social media, fucking wherever it might be. It was an utter embarrassment. There was a great, um, Joe Jonathan Pye. Joe you know Jonathan Pye. Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. For anyone who doesn't know, he's like a, like a satirical, news reporter kind of guy he poses as like you know the the anchor in the field who gets thrown to and he's oh hello i'm outside uh, buckingham palace where the queen is eating a sausage or whatever you know he does like his little bit like that and then pretty you know acts as if the camera's off him now and then lets out these profane screeds against whatever the topic of the day is and he had a fantastic fantastic uh, a bit about the the Euro 2020 final and just how embarrassing it is for the country and how representative it is of the damage that Brexit has done to these... Not Brexit itself, but the way that Brexit was handled and marketed and promoted, the damage that's done to our society here in the UK and, and the damage it's done potentially irreparably to, to our opinions on race and, and immigration and... Yeah, very, very accurate and very disappointing at how accurate that Jonathan Pye segment is. Oh, yeah, yeah. he's He reminds me of a, a kind of a live action, The Onion, is how I've always kind of viewed it. In the, yes. It's complete stupid headlines and buffoonery, but right at the heart of it, it's absolute truth and, and just 100% truth. Then you just, yeah, there's no, you can't disagree with anything he says or... Fuck, we could do we could do two hours on this whole thing alone and this stupid fucking Ireland and the way we act around football tournaments. This doesn't happen in the Rugby World Cup. This doesn't happen when we had the Olympics. You didn't get Mel Farrow winning the 10,000 metre gold and then everyone going down to the local Gregs and destroying it. Fucking why? Why football? 
I don't understand. It's so fucking stupid. To be fair, <laughs> as we're talking, as we're talking to hockey fans who certain hockey uh, cities have had their own fair share of destroying the place after certain results and stuff, but I will say it's. I think it's certain sports as a whole. I was watching a, a thing, uh, a documentary today about the France team that won the World Cup uh, three years ago. And the night they won the World Cup, there were riots in France, which I didn't know happened. I didn't, because obviously it's not reported on because, you know, it's not French news, it's English news. And that it was the same thing. I said, why does football have this kind of, I don't know, just moronic, it's, it's, it's fucking 22 lads in different coloured jerseys kicking a bag of wind around some grass. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> Seriously, why does that incite such hatred and violence? And it's not fucking war. It's just a game. I think. I think just quickly to to point out that France team is and the French national football team is is a fantastic parallel for especially what we've seen with the the. It's because of fucking backlash. The racial abuse of Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, and Bukayo Saka after the penalty shootout. There, there's the old saying that a lot of French fans and media use. You know. French when they win, African when they lose. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Which that points true. to, yeah, the the lot of um, African immigration that then you know bleeds into the French national football team, and and that's how exactly how they're treated by their own public. So I mean to say to say the disease of racism and football hooliganism is only English would be unfair. But fucking earth, we're world champs of anything. It's probably that, isn't it? Yeah, great point. All right. Let's move on to some fucking better stuff. We have got about eight months worth of news for some reason to cover in the next about 90 minutes. I don't know what's happened in the hockey world, but everyone's fucking collectively lost their minds. I, I feel like a smart person has been railing on the fact that the second the Stanley Cup final ends, we're going to get a thousand things happen. And that, uh, <laughs> that horrendous prediction has finally come true. It's true. We do actually have a Stanley Cup to close off as well as it hadn't finished before last week's show um oh as we predicted it did finish on the uh, it finished on the wednesday which is when we recorded but tampa go back to back uh, i'll give you some just some silly stats from the finals or little sort of things that sort of popped up obviously maroon goes back to back to back which is quite amazing for a guy you collectively in those years made about 2.3 million dollars uh, Tampa in two seasons have only trailed once in a playoff series and have never lost back-to-back games in those two seasons. That's ridiculous. There were 12 shutouts in this postseason. Vasilevsky had five of them on his own. That's stupid. The two players, I love this one, the two players who connected for the winning goal were David Savard and Ross Colton, who were the only two players on that team who hadn't got a ring yet, which is kind of... Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Like a weird little kismet-type... If you were looking at it from a, a 200 hockey man point of view, you could say that those two guys who needed the ring the most were the two guys who then made it happen. I know that's not how it happens, but you could kind of do that. Uh, Vastavsky is the first non-American goalie to win the Conn Smythe. And after a loss in the playoffs in the last two seasons, the Lightning are 14-0 and with a 1.2 goals against and their goalie making a 9.52 save percentage. That stat is fucking ridiculous. After a loss in the playoffs, they're 14-0 and a 1.2 goals against. I just can't even... The, the, the Game 5 was a... I mean, Game 5, Tampa out-Montrealed so much that they should have put the Habs jerseys on. It was absolutely crazy. 
the I mean Montreal just couldn't do a single thing. Couldn't do a single thing. And and credit to Tampa Bay. A fantastic achievement. Yeah, I mean in, in, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it's I've got a friend a friend Dan who's a who's a big big lightning fan. And I was just saying to him like it's it's nice to see the best team get rewarded as the best team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like for a copycat league, the last thing you need is all due respect, Montreal fans, like an undeserving team to to win the cup, and then it send it sets the league back three years because you end up with all the other GMs thinking, oh yeah, I need to get my own uh, my own Shea Weber, my own thirty, <laughs> you know, my own Duncan Keith, you could say, like <laughs> to to see to see a well run organization that builds teams properly with <laughs> with the outlandish uh, ideals of having good players. It's 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 fucking beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. Um, how long will the good goodwill towards Tampa Bay last? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe next year they'll come in and be a bit. Uh, a bit. It'll be more of a. Okay, all right. You've had your you've had your time in the in the sun, Tampa Bay. It's time for someone else to win the cup. But yeah, it's it's very cool. Very cool. Very impressive. Who was I? Who was I listening to? I was listening to someone. I want to say it might have been American Friedman, as as we so often like to bring up on this show. So whoever it was was you know debating oh what's the best um you know cup winning team in the cap era and someone was trying to make the make the argument that one of the back to back Pittsburgh Penguins teams 16 or 17 was better than either of these Tampa Bay teams no not a chance it's not just, even close. I, this is it for anyone who wants to do that as an off season exercise oh who's the best who's the best team to win the cup in the cap era it is either one of these lightning teams by a country fucking mile. A country mile. Like, they are the best team of the cap era, without a doubt. And it's going to take quite some time to, to find a comparable team, I think. Definitely. Did you... Obviously, it's been played to death. We're not going to bother going over everything you said, but fantastic work in the post-game presser from Nikita Kucherov. His comments about the Habs, especially in the fans saying that they thought they'd won the cup final the other week, the other night, and their cup final was last round, and that's good because it adds some needle now next for next season because they're going to be back in the same division. And when Kucherov's going to be uh, going to the Bell Centre, he's going to get a, a nice reception, and that's good for the game. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't think there was anything disrespectful about what he said. No, not at all. Well, yeah, all right. It was it was disrespectful on a hockey hockey standpoint, but then that's more of an indictment of the NHL itself. Well, all he said was his goalie was the best goalie and he should have won. And he didn't know Marc-Andre Fleury's name in the moment. <laughs> all right. And to be fair, by that point, Forgive he already me. had seven beers. So, yeah, I don't think he would have known anything at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's, I mean, he's Russian. Like, what? I don't Why would you expect anyone outside of North America or even inside North America to come into the league and know every single player? Like, who've... <laughs> Especially, I can imagine once you once you're actually in the league, it's much, it's like it's like being at work. Do you know who is the fucking administrative assistant for two departments over? No, of course you fucking don't. Like you might know his face, but you might or her face, but you don't necessarily know their name. I like. I don't the, think there was any, anything wrong with it. No, not at all. And look, I'm of the I'm of the opinion that to the victor go the spoils. You've just won the Stanley Cup. You can't say shit. I can say whatever I want. I'm the champion. For the next year, I'm basically the king of this sport. 
because I've got the ring and I've got the cup to prove it. So if anyone comes out there and he wants to slander the Habs fans and slander the coaching and slander the players, he should be allowed to. He's just won. That's the that's the rules of winning. To the victor go the spoils. I then get the I can then talk shit basically. I get the right to talk shit because my team's just gone back to back, and I'm going to talk shit about your team. If you don't like it, maybe next time beat us. Simple as that for me. Yeah, definitely. Especially you know, it's not like it's. I don't know. I can't think of a scrub on the on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not it's not some fourth liner who's played nine minutes a night coming out and saying it. it is one of their best players, one of the best players in the world who's coming out and and speaking his mind. Like fucking good on him. Good on him. We are, as we've liked to point out on this show, sometimes we are descendants of Nostradamus, I believe, as we did predict <laughs> the Blues Cup win in February of that year. Uh, all these things are on record as well, either tweeted or audio availability. It's all it's all there. Uh, I predicted two months before COVID that the salary cap wasn't going to move. Admittedly, that was a joke, but you could just read it in a cold light of day and think, wow, this guy's onto something. <laughs> it just looks like I'm a genius. We predicted that the Jets and the Habs would win their series this year, which, again, we said it kind of jokingly, but the audio's out there. We'll take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take little wins where you can, mate. This is recorded. We got the proof. Yeah, we got the proof. Do you know what you said last week at 19 minutes and 21 seconds? No, I, I don't know what I said to you at 19 minutes and 21 seconds last week, unfortunately. So you said, as we were previewing game five, I'm sure, and I quote, I'm sure the Lightning are going to try and get Ross Colton a goal tonight. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And he scored the only goal. <laughs> oh, You're welcome, it. Ross. You're welcome. I'll take a slice of that next contract, young man. Yeah, we'll take we'll take ten percent. It's a uh, what should we call it? We'll call it a uh, a mental positivity payout. That's what we'll do. We we put the we put it into the atmosphere, and then it, uh, then it happened. <laughs> What's that? The opposite of a jinx. What's a good jinx? What is the opposite of a jinx? All right, we got to check this now because that's actually. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what is the opposite of a jinx. Maybe it's jinx backwards. I don't know. Maybe jinx is both. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, because is it just luck? No, it's not luck, is it? <laughs> yeah, because we just assume that jinx means a bad thing, don't we? And I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's a kind of it's nah, a nah. It says a, a jinx in popular superstition and folklore is a curse of the or a curse or the attribute of attracting bad or negative luck. Oh, okay. But there's no opposite. Well, there you go. There's no opposite. Who's a really good? Who's oh, a really good magician? <laughs> that should be the opposite of a jinx. <laughs> who's a? Re- do you mean? Um, do you mean Gobe Bluth? <laughs> Job. Yeah. Job. Sorry. Yeah. Job. Job <laughs> in his three thousand dollars suit. <laughs> yeah, it's a Job. There we go. We just made it. There you go. We just. We just. Right. I put that on the. Uh, put that on the. You've been. You've been Jobed. You've been Jobed. We Jobed lexicon. There you go. Put that into the yeah. Put that into the uh, into the public zeitgeist. We uh, we jobed in the fucking glossary. <laughs> of course, with the lightning, the conversation goes the second it finishes to their team and fitting under the cap for next year. We've already mentioned they're already four and a half million dollars over the cap with only seventeen players signed for next season. Real reasonable, re- yeah. Real, real interesting chat that's been doing the rounds already that Stamkos is the player 
that they're going to try and move on from and they're going to ask him, would you waive your no move to, you know, go somewhere else basically and live out your days? If Julian Brisebois, if Julian and the Breezy Boys can pull that off and get him out of there, seriously, just give him the GM of the award next year right now because that will be unbelievable. And to have the stones and the balls to do that, I'm hoping he does it because it goes against every single thing that every GM we've ever seen has done. And we spoke about the Blackhawks, I think last year at some point, about how the second they won their third cup, they should have just got rid of Kane and Taves and got an absolute king's ransom for them and just rebuilt again. It kind of makes sense because they got a lot of players to sign, a lot of players on no moves. They're going to have to move Stamkos and somebody else probably. You know, one of Johnson or Gord or Pollard or, I don't know, Cologne maybe. But I really hope Brisebois moves Stamkos just for that reason, just to show that it can be done. Yeah, definitely proper, proper aggressive GMing. Yeah, yeah. Do, where, where, where do you stop? I, I say do one a season. You know what I mean? <laughs> just keep a bit like uh, a bit like Jenga. Just keep taking bits out until it all collapses. Stamkos this year. Do maybe I don't know Kucherov of the year after or something like that. Just, just proper. Give it a go because, like, in theory, if you trade Stamkos now, yeah, injury issues aside, you should get. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to say, I'd say, you, I'd imagine you will get more than Buffalo would get for Jack Eichel. No, not because Stamkos that's is crazy worth talk. No, no, that's crazy talk. Well, no, 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 no. Hear, hear me, hear me out though. I'm right, not saying on. that Stamkos is worth more than Eichel. I'm just saying that there's always a human element behind the trade being made, isn't there? And uh, we might discuss that later. Yeah, who who do you who do you want trading your superstar? Do you want Kevin with Y or or the Breezy Boys? I think I fucking know who I want trading yeah, a, a star fair point, player. Fair point. Christ, I mean, we we were talking about we we talk about bad GM decisions all the time, and <laughs> yes, it's our favourite thing to discuss. It's one of our favourite things to discuss. And dude, Stephen Stamkos coming off back to back cups, all that grit, all that leadership, a captain. Yeah, you're right. They would get an absolute fortune for him. And you shouldn't because he's 31 years old. 100 like years say, old, yeah. Injury problems, massive cap hit. Again, the cap's not moving this year. You're giving up more than 10% of the cap to one player, which you don't really want to do. Only three years left, though. Only three and years when, And when he plays, he's still dynamite. Yeah, true. Yeah, when he's good, he's still really good. He is still really good when he's good. <laughs> when he's good, he's good. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right though. I think I think an idiot GM out there would absolutely take would take him on. They just yeah, you're right. Oh god. <laughs> some some idiot out there would take Steven Stamkos. Some yeah. <laughs> some fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about taking him on and you know the return you would get. You would get a big re- you shouldn't get a big return. You should get a decent you should get a decent return. You'd get a massive return on him. But it's up to him though. He's got a full no move, hasn't he? <laughs> it's true though you know what I mean you know that kind of well he's not going to move well yeah why should he don't, give, don't fucking give him a full no move though I feel like this is not the week to be uh, bandying about uh, full no move clauses as uh, impenetrable shall we say yeah you're fucking right do you know what that'll do for the uh, for the opening bit we'll get onto that the second we come back shall we, uh, shall we, shall we start the show as a teaser yeah let's fucking get into it <laughs>
as always, brought to you by Wave Intel. The season is over, but the best part is here. Trades and free agency. And a bonus this year, an expansion draft. A little Brucey bonus for you. Use Wave Intel to prepare yourself for the expansion draft and everything else in the best way possible by heading over to Wave Intel. Wave Intel online and on Twitter. Being smart, so you don't have to. Check out the Three Men and Their Babies podcast at men underscore babies on Twitter. And we're on iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, Smart Speakers, anywhere else you can listen. Leave us a nice review. Helps us a lot. Tell your friends if you like the show. Because we're sad footy fans and it will cheer us up a little bit. And you thought Peter Chiarelli was no longer a factor in Edmonton. <laughs> That's what you thought, wasn't it? <laughs> That's what you what thought. What we said about jinxes. Yeah. The ghost. The ghost of the Teflon Don still lingers around Edmonton. I can't believe they took on full salary. I can't fucking... believe they took on full salary. <laughs> so... how, how do you lose a trade that badly? <laughs> how do you lose a trade when you're the only team that that player wants to come to? The only team. You are choice number one and choice number one alone. There's no one else. You're the only team. And for so do, long... Do you want to know... Go on. I was just going to say, do you want to know what I love about this? The the um oh a million things. But go the, on. So, the the aftermath about um after this Duncan Keith trade to Edmonton. So bearing in mind what happened two days ago, it happened on Monday, didn't it? Yes. So we're two two days in to acquiring this guy, and literally just got on, and he's already one of the most popular buyout candidates on Cap Friendly. <laughs> Oh, that's great stuff. That's great Be- stuff. Behind, behind uh, Louis Erickson, you know, perennial top buyout contender. Perennial, yeah. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, for obvious reasons. Never heard uh, of that. Zach Parise, who has been bought out. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, two of his new teammates in James Neal and Mika Koskinen. <laughs> How do you have three? How do you have three of the most popular buyouts on Cap Friendly and one of them you've traded for less than 48 hours ago? Like, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how, Will. You have a poorly run hockey franchise. That's how. Fucking, like, mate, it's it's embarrassing. I I can't even begin to understand the thought process. We said the other week that I, you want to bring in Duncan Keith. All right. I don't think it's a terrible idea. It's not great, but there's plenty of worse players you could trade for or get. The cost isn't terrible. But for so long, for so long, since we've done this fucking show, all we've heard from Oilers fans, and we've said it as well, not even as Oilers fans, but this we just can't wait for this season because they're finally going to shed some dead wood, build a better team, and have a ton of cap space. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, they had $22 million in cap space. Now they have 11. And they still need a goalie. They still need to re-sign players. It's already gone. And in those two weeks, in those two weeks, basically all you've done, in theory of losing $11 million of cap space, is add a 38-year-old defenseman who is a liability in every facet of his game. Every facet. Have you seen Micah's? Um, have you seen Micah's sheet for him? No, I haven't, mate. I haven't. Honestly, oh, I honestly, see it. it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. 
He said, like Micah said, he said he's poor offensively, poor defensively, poor on the power play, poor on the penalty kill. <laughs> he just like <laughs> fucking. Oh my god! Oh, that's fucking excellent. Plus twelve percent. <laughs> we talked about Matt Duchesne last week fucking and how hell. and how it was an open secret. He only wanted to go to Nashville, and they still gave him eight million dollars. Chicago had zero leverage on this deal. Zero. Zero. Chicago had one team to trade to, and that team took all of the cap and gave Chicago a draft pick for the privilege. Well, to be fair, this is just the fucking the revision show, because two weeks before that, you just kept saying Ken Holland's going to Ken Holland, and he, he has absolutely Ken Hollanded. <laughs> That's what he's done. He, he really has. It's a thing where... The the trade was in fucking reverse. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, the, <laughs> yeah. The Hawks are getting rid of the the they're, they're dumping an aged out, overpriced, underperforming Duncan Keith, and and all the stuff that you would expect attached to a salary dump like that. They're just fucking getting it. <laughs> you just think fucking what what is. What's happening? How is this happening? We've said before that the phone calls between the GMs, one GM is talking to the other one. Ken Holland goes, oh, yes, obviously we'd like Duncan Keith. And Stan Bowman goes, yeah, okay, okay. And then Ken Holland goes, "Um, you know, we're probably going to, you know, we're probably going to throw in a a prospect in a third. And Stan Bowman's thinking, I mean, if I've got to throw in a third and a prospect to get rid of Keith, I guess I'll do it. I mean, you know, Chicago could have probably afford to give up one of their lesser prospects. And and then Ken Holland goes, yeah, so we'll throw in Caleb Jones. And is this year's third okay? And Stan Bowman must have fallen <laughs> off his chair and thought, oh, hang on, I thought you meant the other way. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, Ken. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then he's thinking, hang on a minute, I can now turn this into a conditional second. <laughs> like, what? What? What's the, what's the condition on that second again? I it's loads of stupid that. things. It's it's something like they have to win three playoff rounds at one point and something and something. Like he has to be one of the top four guys with time on ice and all that kind of thing. So, but the fact it's even an option, the fact it's even an option, is ridiculous. I just keep coming back to cap space. Cap space in this market is an absolute weapon. You can absolutely weaponize it. Look what Carolina did to get the fucking Marlowe deal. Look what teams like uh, the Red Wings did last trade deadline, just acquiring picks because they have cap space. San Jose did the same thing. You can acquire assets because you have cap space. And for a team and, and so especially where like, it, it's such a bad decision. Where the um, what's the word? Where the Oilers actually wanted Keith as well. They could have had their cake and eaten it, couldn't they? Yeah. I just nothing it's, about it's, this. Makes it's, sense. it's baffling. It's abs- utterly, utterly baffling. It, it really is. And if I'm an Oilers fan, I'm fucking scared to death of of this being the shape of things to come. And who who could have seen it go happening? The, <laughs> I think the worst part of it of the trade for me is the inclusion of Caleb Caleb Jones because you're you're. <laughs> You're trading away the better defenseman. <laughs> it's, it's like what? What's fucking happening? Oh god! And the fucking narratives have already started about how Duncan Keith's going to help that room, and he's got intangibles, and he knows what it takes to win. That was six fucking years ago. That was six years ago. 
which is basically an entire sports person's life cycle. I I get it though. I do I do get it. I do get the arguments. You know, he's he's one as a star. All due respect to you, your Pat Maroons, your Christopher Steaks or whatever, like Duncan Keefe has one when the spotlight is on him, which I can see, you know, as we were joking last week, bring him on as a player coach or whatever. You know, I can I can understand that there probably is some knowledge that you can pass on to Conor McDavid, to Leon Dreisaitl. I can I can understand that. I can understand not saying that I agree with or want to promote that as a way to run a hockey club, but I get that reasoning. It's not like it's not like they're coming out and saying, "Yeah, we're ex- we're we're bringing on Duncan because we're expecting him to put up seventy five points and be the second coming of Eric Carlson." Like, I I get their stated reasoning, but you but you don't pay full whack for that. You don't pay full whack for that. Like, no, leadership in the room is not worth five and a half million dollars. On especially I, when the leadership in the room is going to be a player who can't perform on the ice to a high level. We. We were just talking about the geezer. Pat Maroon, like you said, gone back to back to back. And he's still on 900 grand a year. Because yeah. that's, as much as you know, the leadership and all that is useful, it's a good thing to have as a little extra. It's not what you dedicate money to. No, it's just... <laughs> that's, that's bizarre. It's fucking insanity. It's insanity. I'd be, I'd be calling for Holland's head immediately before he does any... Any more, any more damage. But then at the same time, it's like we said when she already was still there, like with the whole Koskinen thing, like the twenty minutes. Yeah, you said <laughs> I'm just going to file this uh, this trade for this uh, contract for Miko Koskinen. All right, Peter. Yeah, just file it and then get the fuck out. <laughs> well, that was that was basically the timeline for it. <laughs> the problem still remains in Edmonton that whoever's making the decisions above the GM is just as fucking culpable and just as fucking dumb. Yeah, Bobby Nicholson is a fucking idiot. Clearly, it's, clearly, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's it, the only difference between them and Buffalo's organizations is Conor McDavid. Yeah, that they that they won that draft basically, and Buffalo came yeah, second. Exactly, that's the only difference. That's the only thing that's dragged Edmonton to appearing to be a better run franchise. Do you know what? Do you know what also went with Duncan Keith as well to Edmonton? Go on. His full no move. <laughs> Wait, so he didn't... I thought if you waved it... it hey, I just... I yeah. thought the same... I thought the same thing. I thought if you waved it, that was it. It kind of it kind of ran out, basically. Like, you've used your no move, and that's it, basically. Apparently, according to Cap Friendly, and I trust those guys more than I trust most people on this earth, it's still there. It says terms, no move clause. So... Well, fucking hell. <laughs> that's even better. That's even better. What a bunch oh of legends. God, so good. And the best thing, the absolute best thing, of course, for the Oilers was if they'd have just waited a couple of days, they could have picked <laughs> ah, up yes. they could have basically picked up Ryan Suit for free. Nick Leddy is on the trade block, a guy who's been to two conference finals and has, has cost exactly the same amount of money and is only there for a year. He's only got a year left on his deal. You could have traded for and Nick Leddy. And he's won um he's won cups as well, or at least A Cup. Yeah, he's won A Cup, yeah. You could you could you could have argued that here's the kind of and we'll get onto the wild in a second, but you could argue that point is what's more relevant in the room. Is it having three cups, but the last one was six years ago, or is it being to the two most recent conference finals? Because I know what I choose. 
if you take into account the other factors as well, such as age and productivity and all that kind of thing, I'd fucking have Nick Lady co- all day. Cost as well. Yeah, cost as well. He's literally he's cheaper and younger and better than fucking Duncan Keith. <laughs> it's an unbelievable trade. An unbelievable trade. The ghost of the Teflon Don still lives. It's it's beautiful. Dude, I I was uh I will sometimes treat myself and have an hour just on hockey Twitter, just scrolling through one team's timeline. Dude, the Oilers' timeline after that trade was gold. Absolute gold. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Just getting yeah. absolutely annihilated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess we have... I, I think as well, like... Well, sorry, just one last thing on the, on the key thing. Like, <laughs> probably, probably a bit inappropriate to mention it in this light, but, like, you talk about leverage. If ever there was a GM on the planet at the moment who, yeah, would be open to fucking extortion oh, fucking or hell. leverage or something. Yeah, like you're that. right. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like fucking hell, like it's distasteful to to use the lawsuit in this sort of light. But yeah, Ken Holland could have easily said like, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not cowtailing to someone who's probably going to get fucking sacked from the league in a couple of months. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, we know that we know that the rules of sort of day-to-day life don't um, don't work in sports because for some reason sports isn't counted as real life. So, yeah, you absolutely, you absolutely could have used that if you were Ken Holland and nobody would have nobody would have said anything because no one says anything ever because no one cares about hockey. So, uh, Just the last thing on this for me is that we haven't used this hashtag in a while but we need to bring it back now. Uh, hashtag free Connor. I think we need to get, get that up and running I'm, I'm, su- I'm surprised he's not a Chicago Blackhawk right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> oh god yeah we needed to trade away a guy who couldn't get it done for a guy who could get it done <laughs> and edmonton, saying, you know, edmonton you... retained half of connor's salary as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they, they couldn't swing the trade otherwise yeah couldn't swing otherwise <laughs> the cost would have been too high the cost would have been too high it's so fucking obvious. All you do is say to, as I said the last thing in it, but no, all you do is say to Chicago, look, here's what we're giving you. That's it. You can either take this deal or you can have an unhappy player on your team who doesn't want to be there. Would you rather get this, just this third round pick and retain $2 million or not? That's the deal. Take it or leave it. That's it. And that's all you got to do because he doesn't want to go anywhere else. Fuck. Anyway. As we mentioned, I'm oh, sorry, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, we, no, no, I'm not, we're just going to go around in fucking circles again. Yeah, shouting, right. at, shouting <laughs> at fucking Ken Holland. The amazing thing was, nay, 36 hours later, they uh, they could have got Ryan Suter, as we amazingly discussed the Wild last week in one of our very rare Wild discussions. And we talked about Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, who have both been bought out. <laughs> have you fucking seen these buyout numbers, dude? Mate, it's uh, okay. you talk it's, about it's, aggressive GMing. I'll Billy, say Billy Guerin's now my favourite GM in the entire league. Absolutely, absolutely. The guy's shot right to the top of my list. What a legend! If, it's, if you, it's one of those things where like the the rumor popped up. Yeah, you know, Prusa and, and Suter are, are potentially going to be bought out. It's like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Like Prusa for Lad last last year or whenever it was, they were talking about that trade. And yeah, almost as soon as you finish reading the tweet about the rumour, bam, it's come through. They're free agents. It's done. Oh, fucking 
impeccable work. Impeccable work by Bill Guerin. For those of you who don't know, I will give you their buyout history for the next six years. In year one... Six years, that's what I was trying to work out. In year one, both players against the cap will cost the Lightning $2.37 million. So combined, the cap... Uh, The Wild. Sorry, the Wild. Sorry, the Wild. The Wild are going to have $4.74 million in dead cap space. This is where it gets fun. The year after, (laughs) the year after, the Wild will have 12... Bearing in mind that we're going to have a flat cap for at least the next three seasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, The year after, so not this year, the year after that, the (laughs) Wild will have $12.74 million in dead cap from these two players. (laughs) And you're thinking it can't get worse, but oh wait, dear listeners, let me tell you something. The year after that, it goes to $14.74 million. And $14.74 million again the year after that. So between 2022 and 2025, the Wild will be paying $12.74, $14.74, and $14.74 million. How do these numbers how do these numbers even add up? Because not next year, we'll just take the the $12 million one at this point. The Wild are going to have to build a cap-compliant team with around $68 million. What's the the cap floor? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it like 60... I think it's like 61 or something. Something like that. I think uh, 60.02. Okay, there you go. Say 60 then. So, so they'd have they'd have eight million over the over the lower limit to play with, basically. Obviously, that buyout counts towards the lower limit, but or does it? Does it count towards the lower limit? I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. It's... Well, no, but that's interesting. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either way. Can, yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't. I doubt they're looking at the lower limit when they've already got thirteen million dollars tied up in buyouts for one year. So they've got to build which, this which team. Is, they've got to build this team, right? With sixty-eight million, sixty-eight million dollars, the year after next. That includes now having to re-sign Kevin Fiala and Kaprizov, who are going to want a chunk of money. We already know that Kaprizov wants a fucking big deal of money and on a kind of a shorter-term deal. I have no idea how they're going to make these numbers work. I have no clue. So in in the first year of it, going up to fourteen point seven million. Uh, so 23, 24? Yeah, 23, 24. As it stands, they have uh, six players signed <laughs> and uh, $30 million in cap space. I <laughs> know, uh, cap. No, cap hit. Cap hit, sorry. So, so they've got $50 million to, <laughs> to sign fucking 17 players. Here's the thing, right? If Marco Rossi is good enough to play this year, and they want to kind of get him in the team and think, okay, here's a guy who can actually help us quickly, straight away. We'll get some kind of things going. Fiala Kaprizov will maybe get him on a three-year bridge or something, if it costs a bit of money. The, the, the Fiala and Kaprizov deals, they are going to have to make go for four years. Because if they do a three-year bridge, which teams like to do as kind of the norm, the three years takes them to 24-25. And in 24-25, they're still paying nearly $15 million to Parisian Suter. Now, unless the cap... Uh. Unless they get... To, unless 
unless fucking Bill Guerin is some kind of financial wizard and knows that the cap is going to go up by about, I don't know, let's say $14.7 million in 2014. Give or take. Yeah, give or take. I'll take a guess. In 24-25, this is madness, but I am fucking here for the madness, and I love Bill Guerin just doing it. So looking at their um, their prospects, you know, by my by my understanding of of who they are, you know, for a very surface level, I'd say they've got three players who are going to get to the NHL that might be difference makers. The aforementioned Rossi, yeah. Matthew Boldy, who's doing numbers in uh, in the NCAA, and then yeah. Kalen Addison, who they got out of Pittsburgh for the Jacob, Jason Jason trade. Oh, I forgot they had him. Yeah, you're right. I forgot they had and, him. Yeah, he's. He might, he's probably not going to be, you know, an ex Cal Macar or anything, but I think he'll be a handy player. Yeah. So that's three players for three years in theory that you're going to. Uh, oh no, Boldy's on uh, on the second year of his. No, Boldy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boldy's only got two years left. Yeah, shit. Okay, so Boldy's only got two. But yeah, however, however it's going to be, like they've got a few years of. Two years for, for Addison as well. A, a, few, a few years of, of potentially contributing ELCs but I, I can't see past it as Garen subtly hinting that it's going to be a rebuild which I, d- I understand like I'm always for a rebuild for a middling club but fucking hell Kirill Kaprizov just got it but then I suppose it's the, that- it's the perfect time then to do the rebuild because now you know that you've got young players who you can start to build around I guess because why would you rebuild if you've got nothing in the tank? You don't know what you've got. You're not happy with your team. You think, what am I rebuilding here? I'm, I'm not rebuilding around anything. I'm literally having to do the whole team. So at least with... So if I'm thinking like Fiala, Kaprizov, uh, Marco Rossi. You're now looking at your team. and th- I mean, even somebody like you know Jonas Brodeen, I think is a you know good shutdown defenseman. Jared Spurgeon, they're kind of committed to. At least now they're kind of thinking, right, well, this is what we can now build around. But the issue is... The issue is going into a rebuild. Do you know what this is? <laughs> Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin has done the ultimate. This is the ultimate. That's not my problem. That's future me's problem. <laughs> 24, 25. <laughs> That's fucking years away. I don't care about that. That's a million years That's away. That's a million years away. That's a, we, might, we might all be dead by then. Who knows? How old, how old is Bill Guerin going to be in 24, 25? I don't know. Say he's going to be fucking 55. That's not my problem. That's 55-year-old me's problem. <laughs> Who gives a shit? That's what that is. It's that 24-25 year that I can't get my head around. Because like I said, you can always... Like, three-year bridges are a common thing. So if you've got a buyout that lasts you three years but costs a bit, you can finagle it a little bit. But the 24-25 one is just... That's insane. Unless, again, like unless they know something or they've got rumbling somehow that the cap's going to shoot up or... But it's hockey. It's not going to shoot up. It's not going to go up $15 million. It'll go up like three or something. Yeah, especially after... Did you hear that? Yeah, what was that? The first time I was just fucking slamming a horn outside, I think. Oh, okay. Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when we're talking about a sport that's had to impose its own flat cap. And, and who who notoriously makes fucking expansion fees disappear. Like I don't, I don't think that we're going to come out of this flat cap with anything more than, I think eighty four would be lucky in the first year out of it. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, eighty four, eighty four and a half, something I, like that. 
I think we'll still be looking at as as was the case even in the in the boom times of having open open arenas. We could still be looking at the players, um, you know, mandatory minimum increase being being kicked in because that was always you know by and large the way that you got the cap to fucking inc- increase. Do you think they're both going to find teams? And where do you think? I'm convinced it was going to the Lightning. I'm convinced. If they're if they're smart, they both go straight to Tampa for under one mil. Yep. Agreed. Say say I don't say pay me whatever. Pay me whatever you like. You know, pay me league minimum and I'll donate it all straight back into the community. I don't give a shit. Go straight there and just get into that team. Because Tampa are going to need guys like that and. Yeah, Sura Parise are not seven, seven, seven and a half million dollar players anymore. Are you? Are you getting? You know, are you taking a, a very safe, not very safe, but you know, very worthwhile gamble on getting the pair of them for under a million each? Yes, you fucking are. Absolutely. You don't need. Yeah, I don't need you to be a seven and a half million dollar player. I need you to be a fourth or fifth defenseman or a third or fourth line guy. You can just give me some minutes and chip in now and again. That's all I need. That's all I want. I would love... I There should be plenty of teams who are contenders looking at these two players, I, I believe. Even Parisi. I know Suit is kind of the more fanciable of the two, but if you want to package them together, I'd take Parisi on a, th- on a third or fourth line because you're not expecting... You know, we're expecting for 900 grand or a million dollars. Who cares? It's nothing. It's fucking... It's, it's throwaway I, chump change. And I think neither of them have obviously played on a team with as much skill as the Lightning have. Not, That's true. not arguably since they got to the wild. So who, yeah, obviously they're still in their mid thirties. So they're not going to find some magical new gear that takes them back to being twenty five again. But I wouldn't be surprised if you could squeeze more out of out of Parisian suitor on the Lightning than you would do on the Wild at this stage. You could do because, like, yeah, because like I just said, you're not expecting them to play twenty fucking minutes a night. You know, can you give me? If you're suitor, can you give me sort of, you know, 15 minutes? If you're Parise, can you give me sort of 9 or 10? That's all I need. Just do some, you know, use all your energy in that 9 or 10 minutes and that's good enough for me. Yeah, there should be there should be a ton of teams looking at these players, especially in this, like I said, in this kind of, in this cash-strap market. Bill Guerin, absolute ledge. Um, what a legend. What a ledge. Uh, yeah. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you said at the top of the show, there's been so much that's happened. I can't possibly keep it all in my little head. Let me let me say something right. This is where I'm going to be. This is where you might jump Go come on. over this table at me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate with a capital H-A-T-E. I don't hate the decision to hire Pierre Maguire. I don't like it. Is, is that because you find it very, very funny? It is funny. It is funny. But I don't hate it. You can't deny the fact that the guy knows a fucking shit ton about this sport. I mean, he knows so much about this sport. So it's never that bad to have people in the game, as I sound as my do my best 200 hockey men impression. I don't think it's that never that bad of a thing to have people in a team who love the sport, know all about it, know its history, know where players play, what their strengths are, weaknesses, all that kind of thing. And he is a... He's a big eye test proponent, isn't he? And his stance on analytics has been well known for a long time, which is the, which is the biggest concern. But I don't hate it. However, he has to, if the rumours are to be believed, 
he is going to have to completely alter his stance on a lot of things because he is not going to be that far removed from major decisions. The idea that you're hiring somebody who's just been between benches for the past fucking however many years and not in a front office position in a sport that is ever-changing and constantly growing and the way things are done now are completely different, it's a very odd decision to make for Ottawa when I believe that, kind of like we said with Andre Torone last week, there's probably guys at the at the junior level or at the college level who could, I, in my opinion, probably have offered you a bit more. I, I find it hard to fairly assess the the appointment of Pierre, Pierre Maguire in 2021 to a hockey ops role. Yeah. Because like you say, the geese has just been on telly for a decade. Like, I, I mean, yeah, off, off the hop, with what he says on TV and and the yeah you know, the opinions that he spouts in his interviews and stuff, yeah, doesn't seem very progressive in the slightest, and arguably probably not the right person for that job in this day and age with that uh, with that team. But at the same time, like, there's no, it's, it's yeah, it's exactly like I was saying with Andre Tourne, like I don't fucking know who maybe maybe Pierre is going to come in and be surrounded by the right people in the rest of our, our organization that can maximize the contribution the positive contributions he can actually make because like you say he's, he's basically the fucking encyclopedia Britannica of, of the NHL isn't he and I'm, I th- that's got a and uh, by, by all accounts I think he was like a half decent scout in in the 80s <laughs> um if I'm 40, remembering that correctly. 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think he was right 40 years ago. I'm pretty sure he was a scout before he, before he became like AGM. Um, yeah, I, I just think, fucking why not? Why not? At, at, at the worst, at the worst, he's like a deflector for Pierre Dorian. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is that kind of, we've said this a million times, hockey's stupid and dumb and you never fucking know. You never know, do you? So fucking why not? Like I said, he's removed a little bit. He's kind of not too far removed. He, you know, he probably should be a bit further removed than I think some people would like. But I think people dunking on this already need to remember two words, which is Craig Berube, because you fucking never know. You never know. And well, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that I think it's pretty obvious that uh, Pierre Dorian's hired his replacement, hasn't he? That's going to be the thing. Oh my god! That's Imagine gonna be, that's going to be. Well, there, the there was a lot of talk about that yesterday. I think anyway on on Twitter about how because Jack Capuano's on the coaching staff as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So there's talk of um, yeah, DJ Smith and, and Pierre Dorian needing to be locked up soon, so there isn't that narrative of yeah, like having fucking Mike Yo on the bench when when Hitch was was coach of the Blues and stuff like that. Yeah. What are we going to do if our GM and our head coach don't work out? It's fine. We've got the replacements working next to them. <laughs> We've got spare clones in the tank downstairs. <laughs> Go into that box in the in the cupboard and open the spares box. We've got some in there. It's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's an odd one. It's an odd, but he was he's been. Here's the thing: we've been talking about Pierre Maguire getting a job in the NHL for ages, and now it's happened. People are kind of, oh my god, I can't believe it. Where have you been for the past five years? This has been discussed at length for a long, long time. We've done segments on this show about when teams were close to hiring Pierre Maguire. 
So it's not exactly a... I think maybe because it's Ottawa, it, there's that thing about Ottawa, isn't there, that it just kind of it seems funny because... <laughs> sorry, Ottawa fans, but th- there is that kind of thing around them that, yeah, well, of course it's Ottawa. What a surprise. Of course they're the ones who do it. But I can guarantee you there are at least 10, 11, 12 NHL teams who would have seriously considered him as a free gym. Wasn't, he, wasn't it Pittsburgh? Like, recently? The, the talk was oh, potentially, like Pierre, yeah. Like Pierre was in the running. I'm sure, it was it's, Pittsburgh before they got. It's um, hard. It's hard to separate the nonsense from the truth of all that sort of stuff, isn't it? Like, nah, that's a good. It's, point. it's like, did you did you see his own quote about it where he was saying, yeah, he turned down offers because he wanted to be loyal to NBC. Yeah, well, he said he said no. that he wasn't going to get the contract he wanted. He said so. He got an offer. Uh, but it was only for two. He said he got an offer, but it was only for two years. And he kind of said, well, there was no point because I was guaranteed another seven or something at NBC. So it didn't make sense to give that up for two years of being a GM, which does make sense if it's if that's the truth. Yeah, that's that's more. Yeah, that shines more light on the situation than just, yeah, I just turned out the job. (laughs) A GM to which team? No, not. No, no way, mate. No, I'd rather uh, I'd rather talk to Doc and Eddie at first intermission. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the only job I'm leaving uh, NBC for is GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> or, yeah, uh, just, or Sidney Crosby's right wing. Yeah, just a bunch of ring collectors now in Tampa, so I'm going there to do the same thing. I'm going there to just collect my ring, like uh, oh God, like all these other Byron players are going to do. Why didn't the, the, the Oilers just hire Pierre? He's got two rings. And he know, yeah, he knows what it takes to win. He's been around winners his entire <laughs> life. His entire life, he's been around nothing, winners. nothing but That's winners. That's all he knows. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! I can't. Yeah. Senior vice president, president of player development. That's one of those. That's like, one of those titles. Oh just what does that even mean? I mean, for fuck's sake! <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it means absolutely nothing. Personally, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, the. Bizarrely, we talked about Vlad Tarasenko last week and how there were, I sort of said, oh, well, you know, there were some teams in NHL who didn't think had that kind of bad of contracts, really. And we talked about Tarasenko and then he hands in a trade request, which is, it's interesting. Tarasenko is an interesting player because on his day, he is an absolute animal and he is as good as anybody. I, I genuinely believe that. I think he's a fabulous player. But the dude's coming off two shoulder surgeries. Would you? Would you? Would you put? Would you put in a trade request for Tarasenko? Would you be thinking, I... yeah, if, if I can get him at a decent kind of, you know, if he's kind of healed up a little bit and he can kind of recapture that former glory? Well, would I trade for him rather than put in a? Yeah, I nah, nah. no. I, I, I mean, he's on his on his day. He's got the talent, but you're talking about. Two more years, seven and a half mil for someone who ain't he ain't all that anymore. I don't I don't think really. What if they, ret- what if they retain? Play. What if they retain? Let's have a little all right, tell you what, tell you uh, what, tell you what. 50 yeah, definitely, without a doubt. I'll take I'll take him I'll take him for three point two five. No Wait. question. No, three point seven five. I'm I'm Doug Armstrong, right? You're another GM that's not Ken Holland, because we know what'd happen if that was the case. <laughs> Is it you just take him at full price and give me a second round pick? I'm Doug Armstrong. You're another GM, and I say, "Okay, would you like would you like Vlad Tarasenko, and we'll retain, we'll retain two million per year." What so five and a half? Five and a half. That's not bad. 
If you make sure he oh, comes... I... Because he's not happy with how his, his injury's been handled, basically. And if it's a case of... I think Tarasenko might be one of those guys who... He kind of likes to feel as though he's kind of in control. And maybe that kind of... If I don't feel my shoulder's right, I don't want to play. And maybe they rushed him back or something. And that's why he's kind of had to sort his shoulder again. And I'm wondering if you get him yeah. in a good head... You know, like one of those players who needs an arm around him. Get him in a good head space, that kind of thing. Because, dude, he's fucking... Re- like, like, couple, sort of not last year, obviously, but years before that, he's been really good. Really good. And he's a big lad, can move, can skate, can fucking shoot, obviously. He's like... He's like, like I think he's... What? Three, five... I think he had like five or six seasons in a row where he scored at least 33 goals and had the assists as well. Yeah, he... Oh, again, on his day... Fantastic, fantastic player. The thing that worries me is that he hasn't he's barely he hasn't played more than twenty five games for the last two years. Granted yeah. in shortened seasons and stuff like that, but still like he hasn't he just hasn't done it and he hasn't he hasn't provided the goods off he hasn't improved he can play a full season, let alone play at a full uh you know, full capacity skill wise. And the other thing with you know, trading for a player like Tarasenko or, or, or trading for anyone, really Tarasenko is a great example because, yeah, unlike say Evgeny Kuznetsov, there isn't necessarily any like negative baggage around him. It's just that he wants to trade, <laughs> or or little small plastic it's... baggages. <laughs> a lot of baggages. <laughs> Not a lot of um, baggages. No. <laughs> no one forgets. Kuzi. It's surprising. <laughs> it's not just about oh, if I if if Saint Louis retains salary, would you take him? He's still going to command enough in a trade package that. That would probably scare me off. Like I'd go for other similarly priced players sooner than going for Tarasenko. Because what they're probably still going to want a a good prospect and a first round pick for for two years of who knows what he's going to be. Yeah, but this is where you should be a fucking good GM and not you know, like the guy <laughs> wants to leave. The guy wants to leave. I will take him off your hands. You have a player who doesn't want to be there. And I'll give you something back. And if they try and strong on you, fair enough. They're like, there's a point. I'm like, you're trying to you're trying to sell me a guy who's had two shoulder surgeries the past two years, and you're trying to tell me he's worth a first and a prospect. Are you fucking mad? No way. You could at least I I think they've I think the Blues have kind of not like have to do it, but I don't think they have much kind of leverage here. No, I don't. I don't think they should. But equally, they they do. Just because Tarasenko's asked for a trade doesn't mean he's going to get a trade. Oh God! Somebody's going to pay a fortune for a guy who's had two shoulder surgeries, full price, seven and a half million dollars, and he doesn't want to be there. And a GM's just going to give them the fucking going rate. The going rate, isn't he? Oh, yeah, God. yeah, definitely, definitely. Because especially where it's Doug Armstrong as well. We've got a, he's probably going to be number one when it comes to good point trading good. away players or trading oh, for players. Right? Yeah, you're right. If he if he pulled off the other side of the um. Uh, of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, you guarantee he's going to be able to to handle getting rid of a player who doesn't want to be there anymore. Tarasenko to the Sabres confirmed as a return package. Oh my God. <laughs> no, the return package is, is Jack Eichel and, and Rasmus Darlene. <laughs> yeah. I've um, got an injured player, you've got an injured player, let's just swap them. Who cares? <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> The it's thing is, though, fine. Kevin, with a Y, a neck injury is way worse 
So we're actually taking on much more risk here. So if you could send over a first as well with that Jack Eichel, and then we'll give you Tarasenko if that's okay. Because he only hurt his shoulder. That's nowhere near as bad as someone's neck. I mean, yeah, if Jack Eichel... Send, you're sending me someone who wants to go to a witch doctor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Christ. If you're talking to Kevin with a Y, you say, look, Kev, if Jack slips in the shower the wrong way, because of his neck, he might die. So I'm kind of doing you a massive favour. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> not an even kind of. Like, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. the biggest favour Kevin's ever been done. <laughs> uh, and then to, to round off the, uh, the crazy week of news, Pekka Rinne has, uh, has retired. A pretty... Pretty, pretty fucking good career for a guy who has drafted 258th overall. I uh, I always enjoy those stories. Guys who, in the kind of the classic sort of sense of players being drafted, probably shouldn't have made it as far as he did. And not only made it as far as he did, but periods of time was really good. Yeah, I mean, for periods of time, one of the best goalies in, in the league. There's yeah. no, no questioning one of, that. One of Vesna. He did. He did. He was Vesna quality for uh, for quite some time, if memory serves. Yeah, I mean, good on him for not dragging it out. To be honest, I always, I, th- I think he probably could have got on a contract for next year. But like, power to him for for taking it into his own hands and and saying, "No, nah, enough's enough. See you later." That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, he could have done. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. He absolutely could have got a backup gig somewhere, couldn't he? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, if Henry, yeah. Obviously, slight differences between Rene and Lungfist, but he was still good this year, Rene. 927 in 36 games, are you kidding me? Dude, he's got to come back. You've got to think someone's going to make an offer that's going to be too. Especially, well, I don't know, maybe they will. But has, he's announced his retirement, surely. Right? I guess, yeah. You can always unretire, can't but you? <laughs> you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'd, I, I believe that. I believe that. It's not, it's not no takes backsies, is it? You know, it's. <laughs> That thing I said last week, forget that, forget that. You had a big, par- <laughs> we had a big parade and everything. We'll just forget about that because I'm, I'm playing again. I do, yeah, I think I don't, I don't think he'll come back. So I, I do think to an extent, once you say it, especially, it's not like he said it in mid-September when he hasn't got any offers. He said it straight away. I You're think, right. I think that's got to be. Uh, yeah, be this is obviously. Yeah, yeah, this is clearly little... something. This is clearly something he wanted, isn't it? Rather than it was forced on him. That's a good point. Yeah, it's not like he's begrudgingly gotten to this point. I bet he's probably thought it since fucking January or whatever. Just thinking, right, yeah, this is it. I'm, I'm done. All right then. As we finish on a uh, with a uh, European player, there, we'll talk about something that we discussed last week on the show, and it was our discussion about having an award for the most important non-North American NHL player during the regular season. We did discuss this last week. And a few little changes we made. We said we're going to do our top three today. Uh, we changed a couple of bits around. It's going to be a regular season award and not a uh, including the playoffs because we thought if you include the playoffs, it becomes just too obvious. Like Will said last week, if you include the playoffs, then everyone's top three just becomes Vasilevsky, Hedman and Kucherov. Or, you know, a, a kind of a, a mixture of those three. So it was kind of a bit silly, really. It's kind of the most important player. Point out, I am not saying best. I am not saying best. You can attribute most important however you like, but I'm not saying best. And this is going to be open to skaters and goalies. Meanwhile, did discuss an idea of having an award for skaters, an award for defensemen, and an award for forwards, like obviously in the NHL, 
Um, but we decided it would be easier to put them all together. And if Will's okay with this name, it's going to be called the HLJ Award, which is the Hasek Lidstrom Yaga Award, as I wanted to kind of recognize the best players, I believe, in each of those positions from, uh, from Europeans. Shout out to other Europeans who played in those positions, but what can you do? What about, okay the, uh, what, about the, what about the Tony Hand Award? Well, in a few years, we'll have to rename this the Liam Kirk Award, because obviously, like we said, the British have taken over. So in, at some point down the road, when we're doing this show in 20 years, we'll be doing the Liam Kirk Awards for the best British player in the NHL, because at that point, there'll be loads of them. I've, uh, I've got a conspiracy theory that uh, Liam Kirk is, in fact, Tony Hand in like a Doctor Who <laughs> reincarnation type situation, because to- Tony Hand's last season was the last season before Liam Kirk's first season. And that's too much of a fucking <gasps> coincidence, if you ask me. You're right. Or as Tony Hand finished his last game, he went to some kind of laboratory somewhere and they took loads of vials of his blood and just started building Liam Kirk <laughs> from that, basically. That's, ex- that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, no no hyperbole or implication like that. That is exactly what happened. God, you heard it here first. All right. So... What happened was, after the show, me and Will discussed this, and we thought that it'd be fun to get plenty of other people's input on this award. We didn't want to just do us three. We thought we would try and make it so that it was actually voted on by people in the industry. So over the past couple of days, I've been hammering people on Twitter who have their DMs open if they want to vote on this award and laid out the perimeters. And we've already had people reply to us. And the voting is 100% anonymous, so I'm not going to reveal who it was. Unbelievably, unbelievably, maybe I wrote a really nice message or something. I don't know. But we've had, I don't know I don't know why they replied. I don't know why some of these people replied. But we've had some very, very prominent people in the industry reply to us and give us their top three. So me and Will said we were going to do our top three this week and then come to a kind of consensus pick of who we thought. But that's not going to happen now. So what we're going to do is, We're going to do our top threes, obviously three, two, one in reverse order, why we voted on those people, and then either next week or the week after, when we've got more votes in, because I'm still going to, I'm going to be emailing people now as well. I just did Twitter the past couple of days, but now I'm going to be emailing people as well and trying to get in as many people as possible, and fans and all that kind of thing, and then we'll actually have an official, this is the first recipient of the HLJ Non-North American Player of the Year Award. So, um, just one last thing as well. If you listen to this show and you want to vote, we want to hear your vote. Because the issue sometimes is like like with the Vezina Trophy. It's only voted on by a certain set of people. It's not voted on by everybody. So I've been emailing people who do fucking radio shows. I've DMing play-by-play people. I've been DMing reporters. I've been DMing some of the fans who are active with me on Twitter from the show. So you are not counting out of this vote. Everybody will have a vote. Obviously... Take it seriously. It's not just a case of, you know, oh, I'm going to vote for name, you know, insert stupid European player here. Because if that's the case, I just, I'm just i just not going to count the vote because that's silly, <laughs> you know. Is, is, there, is there an intelligence aspect to it as well? Most most important and most intelligent European player. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Why we're not? not allowed stupid, we're not allowed stupid Europeans to win this, win this award. No, because there are two stupid Europeans hosting it, Will. So you can't have too many of them, so... <laughs> So, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd dominate it. We'd, we'd be the Messi and Ronaldo of the Stupid Europeans Award. Stupid Europeans, exactly. So, our DMs for this show are open at Two Brits, One Puck. So, if you want to send us a vote, your top three, you can be as in-depth or not in-depth as you want. It's not fucking homework. 
It is non-North American players, the most important players to their team during the regular season. I think that's all the homework out of the way. Yeah, and we are, take, like I said, we are sort of taking this award sort of semi-seriously because we want it to be a thing and we want it to be kind of mean something because we think it's important. Anyway, let's do our top threes. Do you want to do your third player first or shall I do mine first? Uh, you, can, you can kick it off. I can kick it off. Okay, so I chose my players. I actually, <laughs> Mr. Intangible's over here. I actually went analytical. So for the goalies, so for the goalies, I used I used seven or eight different variables from natural stat trick. So every, you know everything from save percentage, adjusted goals against, high danger goals against, uh, anything, anything you know the, the the kind of main ones. And then I went to skaters and used eleven or twelve different variables for that. Even you know even things like giveaways, takeaways. Uh, I obviously Corsi, Fenwick, all that kind of stuff. And then I assigned points based on their individual rankings. So if you came first in a certain section, you got 10 points. Second got nine points and so on. And that's how I kind of arrived at my kind of players. So third on my list is the Nashville Predators goalie, UC Soros. Who was very, very, very good this season. Got a few, came first in a couple of categories for a goalie. but And I think that, like we said, like most important player on their team it came to down to that as well, like we say, because the Panther, the Predators can't score because they haven't got any very sort of very good offensive players. So he would have had to do a lot of work keeping games close and keeping games tight. So yeah, Yusisaris is my number three. I like it. I like it. Uh, I haven't got quite the uh, preparation that you've uh, that you've got, unfortunately. Stop. But I can tell you that my third is uh, is Andrei Vasilevsky, without a doubt. Really? Okay. Okay. As I hang on, I'm gonna because uh, I'm updating the spreadsheet as we go, so I don't end up fucking <laughs> losing my way. So there is a third place vote from you for Andre Vasilevsky. Okay, I'll let you do second and, place then. Oh, go on, sorry. Go go on. On. Well, I was just gonna say, I think this doing doing this process like has kind of highlighted to me how you can never lose subjectivity. Or I mean, you. Yes, you can if you just if you just like run a model and then just say okay, this is this. But even even you know guys like Dom, guys like Jay Fresh, who at Micah, whoever runs a model, the the twins that are evolving wild will always say okay, the model really likes this guy, but I know better than that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I still have my opinion yeah. in spite of what the model is telling me. And yeah, going through this process of trying to sort out the three best, three most important European players in the NHL. Yeah, there are things that you know to be fact from, you know, the IXG or whatever it might be, you know, all the all the stats that we have available that your heart still can't conflate when it comes to giving an award. So on that kind of side of it, my second most important you know, non-North American player in the NHL this season is Kirill Kaprizov. Oh, okay. Okay, that's real interesting. Okay. Because uh, I think no when s- we're talking importance, I've got to, sorry, I'll, I'll just, just going to say when we're talking importance yeah carry on mate how can you how can you look past the most heralded european prospect for since panarin came along and even though i'd say kaprizov has been more heralded than panarin panarin feels like he kind of came a little bit out of nowhere comes to the wild and just completely changes the at least the perception of that franchise and delivers on everything that that was promised and is the first superstar forward they've had since Marion Gabryk. 
I like it. I like it a lot. It's so interesting that I, <laughs> you're you're trying to defend like the intangibles when you look at a player and go, yeah, I just don't think there's something right about that. And I've kind of gone the other way, and I've gone. I went full kind of analytics with this, as well as kind of a bit of eye test. But we have kind of flip flop roles. That was why I didn't have Kaprizov in my top three. Was because I did I did down to five. Because I kind of thought, well, I'll just do to five because it's kind of I'm just kind of intrigued. I had Kaprizov fourth, but the nice. only reason yeah, yeah. I didn't have him higher were the there were times when I watched Minnesota and he just seemed reckless at times. I kind of and that's not that's not a bad thing as in for a, a viewer of the game or a spectator. It's fun to have players who just play with reckless abandon and don't care. That's exciting. But when you're looking at grading a player. And how, like, could that cost his team a bit further down the road in, like, a crunch situation? It kind of knocked him down a little bit for me, which is why I then I had him fourth. But, yeah, it's still fucking a great season from the kid and just just great to watch. And I fucking pray to God they fucking sort his contract out and get it done because I want to see him develop and I want to see him play more. That reckless edge, though, is, is to me why he's so important to the wild of all teams because they've lacked that reckless edge for so long. Yeah, true. Could be. Could be. I'm going to come back onto this when they lose in the conference final because he does he tries to do a wild spinorama pass in overtime and ends up like <laughs> just flicking it back into his own zone or something. Um, I went Leon Dreisaitl second. I um, I understand he plays with Connor McDavid, but that's literally the only other good player on his team. There is literally nobody else on his team who's any good at all, and he scored really highly in all the in a lot of the in a lot of the data that I looked at for forwards. In terms of like you know first assists and I don't know lo- loads of stuff like that where he's not playing with <clears throat> excuse me and even times when he was not playing with Connor he was still putting up good numbers so yeah I mean that was it was as simple as that really he uh, he finished with a lot of kind of top ten votes uh, when I did my sort of scoring model so yeah Leon Drysider was second for me yeah nice nice like you you can't you can't argue with the skill of the player and the contributions he made to the team. But yeah, I'm definitely one of those suckers for importance. Like, yes, he was very important, but compared to the others, Vasilevsky notwithstanding, compared to the others on the list, like that importance is diminished. And and the main reason I've I've kept Vasilevsky on on my list, you know, in spite of being on, as we've discussed, the greatest team of the Cap era, um, is the fact that he's a goalie, and and he was so incredible as well. On top of it, you know, it wasn't just that he was good. You know, not that he was just an above-average goalie on a on a on a cup-winning team. No, he's what he's one of the best goalies in the league, and you should still be um you should still be rewarded for that when you play such an important position. I think. And on that, am I am I doing the first? Am I doing my first first? Go on then, mate. Yeah, you can go. Go on. Well, on on that note, my first is UC Saros. <laughs> okay. For all the reasons you said. <laughs> no way. Without without Saros, like the Predators aren't even thinking about the playoffs. Not that they did anything in the playoffs, but like, yeah, that's you can't you can't look past such a tangible contribution from UC Saros compared to the the dearth of talent and ability throughout the rest of his his team, and, and not not take your hat off to him. I think. No, that's fair enough. Um, my number one pick is Andre Vasilevsky, and. Yeah. I did not expect, I'll be completely honest, I did not expect I was going to pick him first. I thought I would have him fifth or sixth when I started sort of running the numbers. He came top five in every single metric I looked at. 
And I think he had I think he had four four times when he came first. And I know the argument is he plays on a good team, but even he he was first in high danger save percentage and things like that. Things that didn't actually relate to his team. You know, situations where he had to make a save and then did make a save. He is a phenom. And I know we discussed Kucherov the other week about when are we going to start discussing, you know, Kucherov, can he be included in that kind of, oh, it's McDavid, McKernan, you know, we should now say Kucherov. We should also be saying Vasilevsky. When I when I checked those numbers and I went to um, credit to Hockey Reference and Natural Statric for, you know, let me kind of get to those numbers. Dude, it was just mad. He, he was, in comparison to other players in other positions, he was so far above every other goalie and he was so far and away the best at his position in relation to other players in other positions that it was kind of stupid, really. I mean, kind of comical. Like I said, he came top five in every single measure that I looked at, whereas Soros had a couple of, you know, where he was like 10th or 11th or Christ, like Hedman had, was like, there was a few where he was 7th or 8th. Even Dreisaitl didn't have, Dreisaitl didn't place in every single measure that I looked at, whereas Vasilevsky did. Looking back on it now, I know what McDavid did was unbelievable, but looking at those numbers of what Vasilevsky did, you if you wanted to argue with me that he could have won the Hart Trophy, knowing what I know now, I could absolutely listen to it. The guy was absolutely lights out and he's absolutely unbelievable. And even his, I know we're including playoffs, but just what he's done in the playoffs as well. Like I just said, he, the guy is a machine. He is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, my number one was Vasilevsky. And it was a, in the end, it was not even, not even close really for me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that, especially when we're talking about conversations about the best player in the world sort of thing. You can't, you can't really look past him, can you? He's, he he really should be appreciated to that level, which I think you know, being being an incredible goalie on the best team in the world. Unfortunately, that's just just what happens. You fade into the background a little bit. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. Like I said before, coming off a loss in the playoffs, he is one point two goals against. One point two goals against. Crazy. It's just mad, isn't it? Every time you lose a playoff game, you think, right, for the next game, if we score two, we're guaranteed to win. That's just fucking nuts. Fucking nuts. Okay, there's our top three. So mine was uh, Saros, Dreisaitl, Vasilevsky, and yours was Vasilevsky, Kaprizov, Saros. Yep. Yes. Yeah, there yes, we go. indeed. Okay, good stuff. So it'll either be next week or the week after when we'll do the official kind of award. I need to sort of Badger as we need to badger as many people as possible. Like I said, if you're a fan of the show, you have a vote. Please get in touch with us. We want as many votes as possible to get a wider spectrum as possible. Like I said, I am messaging fucking play-by-play people who do radio hits. I'm messaging analytics people. I'm messaging people working at Athletic. I'm anybody you can think of who has a DM open involved in hockey. I am messaging them and saying they can vote on this, and that goes out to you, the listeners of this show. So yeah, at two Brits one puck. You don't have to follow us or anything. Just come over, drop a DM with the three names. You can be as fucking analytical or as eye testy as you want. Doesn't matter. Just give us your three names, and then we'll uh, we'll do the official thing in a few weeks. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I enjoyed it, mate. I'll be honest. I really enjoyed going through those numbers and looking at the players because when you just look at the raw data instead of that kind of like I said, like that kind of I don't like this guy. I just don't like him. Like you do, you do start to see different things, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, when you're actually taking the time to to dive in a little bit on these players rather than <laughs> settling for your preconceived notions of 
of what they are and what they can do and what they've done this year. It's yeah, it's it's, it's eye opening and it's nice to remind yourself like just how good a lot of these players actually are. You know, we are. I think we are blessed a lot of the moment with the quality of player that we have in the NHL. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and just to, I mentioned I did a top five. My fifth player was Rantanen as well, who was Rantanen also, was your fifth. Yeah, yeah it was my yeah, fifth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good because in a few weeks we can actually talk about kind of who collected votes and who people thought other people thought that was uh, was important to their team and stuff. Also, we can't do it yet because I don't want to kind of influence anyone to think about. Oh, I'm actually going to pick this guy instead. So that'll be interesting to look at as well. All right, there we go. Thank you, everybody. Well, any last words? Um, any last words this week? Fucking, thank fuck it's over. Do you know what I mean? All of it. Like, <laughs> all the seasons are done. We've got, not, for this we are season into the best, especially. We're into the best part of the season now, aren't we? This is our favourite part yeah. of the year. Like, we Absolutely. joke about it all the time, but I am kind of serious that I am so fucking hyped for the expansion draft and trade deadline and all kinds of stuff going, not trade deadline, fucking um, free agency and all kinds of stuff going on. And I, and I think even you know this season is going to be really exciting. So we've got another expansion draft that's going to be fantastic. But oh, all wait. of those normal bits of excitement for this time of year aside, having gone through that COVID season, this COVID season at least, I think is is a relief for many people inside and outside of the NHL. You know, we can we can edge back towards some sporting normality, which is. At least somewhat of a of a consolation for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, for sure. We did it, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Of course, we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.